because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Shall I pray with you before you? Father, thank you for, for Mia for bringing her to, to us to, to serve you here. Father, I pray for her this morning, Lord, as she tackles this passage. Lord, that we would learn more about what you have for us individually and as a community here in Baston Hill. Amen. Good morning, church. Can you all see me? Can you all hear me? Wonderful. Then we're in business. That's great. Well, never in my wildest nightmares did I think that one of my first sermons as a curate would be about the slaughter of the firstborn. <laughs> Cheers, Vicar. <clears throat> well, anyway, um, we are coming to the climax of our all-age holiday um, series uh, called Mission Possible. And the temptation would be today to uh, deliver a nice children's talk where, hurrah, all the baddies get what's coming to them and the goodies escape. Mission accomplished, job done. But I can't do that. <laughs> this text is far too significant to polarize it into a Jews versus Egyptians kind of parody. So, um, not particularly a children's talk this morning, although for children there is a sheet at the back um, called Mission Accomplished in the creche corner, and for older children um, there's a comic about God's liberating actions in the life of one man, Graham Seed. They're all at the back there if anybody um, gets restless. And that doesn't mean you, Steve. You have to sit and listen. <clears throat> And for those of you not um, going to the back table, I'd like to start with a question. What does the deliverance of God look like in your life? Because in Exodus, it's cosmic in scope, it's eternal in context, yet it's personal in application. I believe that God wants to tear down our limited view of his sovereignty this morning, to remove the lenses through which we choose to view him, and to liberate us from the things that are stopping us from being transformed into the likeness of Christ. If you're only just joining us today in our sermon series, here's a quick summary. The Israelites have been in Egypt now for a few centuries. They've gone from being shepherds with the best land, probably, archaeologists tell us, even being rulers there. They've come from there to being brickies during an intense building period. And they are abused and oppressed, and their rights to worship are curtailed in a polytheistic culture. A baby named Moses survives the male infant cull, and eventually God calls him to be the liberator of the Israelites. And in our uh, wonderful rap from the talented Ari Lesser, we had a summary of those plagues that Egypt experienced and how God finally liberated his people. So 
Here's where we're going this morning. Um, firstly, we'll look at why this is important to us. Then we'll look at it from three angles very briefly. Firstly, we'll look at creation as the cosmic context of the Exodus. Then we'll look at oppression as the historical context of the Exodus. And then we'll look at rebellion as our ongoing context. And then we'll take a little bit of time at the end to consider which of these things God might be speaking to you about this morning. So please have your Bibles open at Exodus 12. We are a church that preaches from Scripture, not from YouTube. Um, so please have that open in front of you, Exodus 12, starting at verse 29. Okay, why are we studying the escape of an obscure people group four to 5,000 years ago? Why remember the sacrifice of a lamb, its blood painted on doorposts to ensure the people were spared and liberated? Well, it would be hard to overestimate the central importance of the Exodus for Israel. But what about us? Well, Matthew's Gospel speaks of Jesus being called out of Egypt right from the birth narratives. He speaks of him being called out of Egypt, placing for the Jewish mind their story of Jesus very firmly within their own story. And John's Gospel takes it even further. John begins and ends his gospel with the Passover. So kind of we've got this act of liberation as the bookends between which John wants us to understand the gospel story. And there's that wonderful verse at the beginning of John's gospel where Jesus is walking by and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Israel's epic event is our event. The gospel is first of all for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. God delivered Israel from Egypt as a foretaste of his promise to deliver the whole world through Jesus Christ, to deliver us from our bondage. It's a tragedy, church, that we have separated Easter from Passover. I know this church has very strong um, Jewish roots and a strong Jewish heritage, and um, I'm sure that you, you agree that um, those parallels ought not to have been separated throughout history. God's deliverance of Israel is our story today. Now, I think when we read these Exodus narratives, there are two ways that we tend to come at it. We either see it as about being about human oppression. We see it as a story of um, liberation and a challenge to take on unjust structures using this example of God's liberation as our inspiration. Or we go the other way, we completely spiritualize it. We say this is a story about my sin and the way it has me in bondage. Well, to both camps, I would say this. Your view of salvation is too boundaried. Salvation has no borders. Salvation has no limits. As Jenny reminded us last week, it is about nothing less than total deliverance. <clears throat> not just from my personal issues and not even from uh, oppressive structures, 
but from the bondage the whole of creation is in and the resultant sickness, injustice, abuse, death, accident, tragedy and death. Romans 8.21, do flick around your Bible to make sure I'm telling the truth on these, by the way. Um, Romans 8.21 says, creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Salvation is huge. It's boundless. And today's readings give us just a little taste of that enormity. So firstly, we look at creation as the cosmic context of the Exodus. Ancient Egypt was a polytheistic culture. The people knew they were surrounded by spiritual powers. They called them deities. But the problem was they didn't know how far these gods could be trusted. So they had their god of the Nile, Harpy, who gave them water. They had their livestock gods, such as Apis and Hahor. They had gods of healing like Thoth, and then they had the great Ra, god of the sun. So Pharaoh's rebellion represents the forces which oppose Yahweh. God is creator. The powers of nature are at his command. He is able to push back the chaos which opposes him and his purposes. So the Nile turns to blood. Harpy, God of the Nile, you are powerless. The livestock die. Apis and Hahor, you are powerless. Boils and bites, Thoth, you are powerless to heal. And the plague of darkness, Ra, even you are powerless to bring real light. Every single plague sends the message to Egypt and to Pharaoh. Every one of your gods is powerless against Yahweh. And finally, Pharaoh, you human deity, you think you're indestructible. You're not. You're mortal. <coughs> powerless, Egypt, your gods are too small. I wonder what the things are that we put our trust in, the kind of things we allow to define us. I guess it's different for us all, but perhaps it's money. Perhaps it's the government, heaven help us. Um, perhaps it's our jobs. Maybe it's our friends, celebrities, role models. Shropshire, your gods are too small. But what about Yahweh? Can he provide for me? Can he heal? Can he rescue me? Can he deal with my shame? Yes, through the blood of the Lamb, Yahweh alone can rescue, and his deliverance is cosmic. <clears throat> but of course, the cosmic does encompass our human structures, which leads to our second point, oppression as the historical context of the Exodus. It seems to me in this passage that Israel isn't saved from her own sin, but from the oppressive acts of a tyrant. Israel here is sinned against, and Yahweh deals with that. He is a socio-political liberator. He's bringing hope to the victimized. Isn't it interesting that this Pharaoh has no name? Now, in fact, there were probably 
three pharaohs um, during the stories we've been looking at, three separate people, at least three. Um, it's no accident that his name isn't recorded. Um, I, I was reading somewhere that the pharaoh who um, is responsible for the, the exodus, for the, for the end of the plagues, um, he tried to write out um, Pharaoh's daughter from history. He erased her from all of the tablets and everything. And here we are, thousands of years later, saying Pharaoh's daughter is part of our story. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? All oppressive regimes are the same at heart, really. And God is saying to human leaders, you think you rule, but you don't. God hears the cry of the oppressed and he rescues them. And here's the thing, church, right? He uses you to do it. Remember the midwives, Shifra and Pua, those ladies just doing their job, refusing to be bullied. Remember subversively Pharaoh's daughter getting in on the axe, saving Moses, Moses' sister, Moses' mother, Moses himself, all taking part in the liberation of God. <clears throat> And more recently, Rosa Parks, Oscar Romero, Mother Teresa, individuals going about their ordinary lives but challenging oppression and injustice as God gives them a voice. I wonder what kind of oppression you can do something about today. We're going to be having a look at this later. We're going to be praying for Egypt today. It's still in a mess. God's people there particularly need our prayers, as does the whole country. But 10% of the population, the Copts, are in extreme danger um, during these difficult times for their country. Or, of course, the, the evils of human trafficking. Slavery is alive and well on our doorstep. We know this from stories coming out of Telford, don't we, of, of the trafficking of young girls. Slavery is thriving. And if people stopped using fellow human beings as commodities, it would dry up overnight. If people stopped watching pornography, if people stopped paying for sex, that industry would dry up overnight. Church, our choices have consequences, not just for us, but for other people, often consequences for innocent victims. I think that's why I'd like to make a, a, a play for the word abuse for sin. Sin is a funny word. People around us don't understand it. I think abuse kind of says it. We, we all know what abuse is. We all know it's wrong. We all know it's something we should not do. And we will fight against where we see it. Abuse is a word we all understand. And it's happening all the time. Now... <clears throat> I don't know about you when you look at our passage, starting at verse 29. I don't know what you think of it. Um, I've got to admit I have real problems with this passage, with the slaughter of the firstborn of everyone but the Israelites. It's horrific. It's, it's brutal, isn't it? Um, but I can't pretend it's not there, and I wouldn't want us to. I think it serves as an ugly reminder that... Rebellion from God has its consequences. We've seen in wars over the past hundred years that the innocent are placed in danger by the reckless disregard for God's purposes on the part of an oppressor. And Pharaoh's abuse of Israel takes its deadly toll on him, on himself, on his family. 
and on all of his people, most of them innocent people. Which brings us very briefly to our third and final point, that rebellion is the ongoing context of the human story. Our default position as human beings, like Pharaoh, seems to be to rebel. Um, if you want to flick to Galatians chapter 1, um, verse 4, but just Galatians in general, it speaks about salvation in terms of liberation from an enslaved state in which we are both victims and perpetrators. And Paul in Galatians is talking about us being delivered from that state into a new state where we participate in Christ. We die to sin, we raise with Christ, and everything has changed. We have a new and living hope in him. The cross is God's central act of liberation, redemption, and a display of Yahweh's righteousness. Christ is the Passover lamb, the one whose powerful blood guarantees your deliverance. I wonder if you've got anything on your conscience today. There is forgiveness. There is freedom. You are not defined by your shame. Jesus is strong enough. He can deliver you. He can set you free. And as John tells us in his gospel, if the sun sets you free, then you really are free indeed. So I'd like us to end now where we began. <clears throat> We're going to have a time of reflection. But I want to ask you again, what does the liberation of God look like for you? How big is your vision of salvation? What's God asking you to do today about his deliverance, to live that out? Now, uh, we have a, a, a response DVD um, for those of you who like to sit where you are um, and just let the music and the pictures and the images help you to reflect. Um, for those of you who are more activist, we have a table down here with a petition for the church in Syria also undergoing severe oppression at the moment. And we have some prayers from Stop the Traffic and a very heartfelt letter from the Bishop of Egypt to Christians in the world asking for your prayers. If you're an activist and you want to come and do something about oppression, then please come to this table here. If um, there's something that's on your conscience or something that you want rid of in your life, we have a wash it and go table where you can write things on a stone or on your hands and then wash them away. That's at the back there. Or if you just think, well, okay, I'm not quite sure. I don't really understand about Jesus and all of this. I don't really get it. Please go to the crash corner where there's a lovely story, um, this one again, where you can just read what liberation can look like in a person's life. We're going to spend about uh, six or seven minutes now just responding. So either move to a table that you like the sound of or just sit where you are and enjoy some space to listen to God. Thanks, Nathan.